Welcome to EdTech Adventures. Join us as we explore the role of technology, STEM, and creative play in education. With expert guests, we'll discover how learning is always an adventure. How do we leverage the engagement of social media into the content we create for our schools? Today, our guest, Shana Croy, will share how he's used social and learner engagement to build compelling EdTech experiences. Shanak founded Yellow Dig in 2015, a community-driven active and experiential learning platform. It is now used by hundreds of thousands of students of all ages and backgrounds in the U.S. and around the world. Shanak graduated with a degree in mechanical engineering from IT Bombay and completed his graduate studies at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Prior to founding Yellow Dig, Shanak spent a decade advising global companies on technology, strategy, and growth. Thanks so much for joining us on our podcast, Shanik. Charlotte, good to be here. That's great. Now, let's start at the beginning of your journey. Can you please describe a memorable education experience that you've had as a student? I grew up in India, so I did my undergrad from Bombay at IIT Bombay in mechanical engineering. Then I came for my master's in MIT in systems engineering. You know, one of the things I noticed when I first came to MIT is that some of the practices they apply in terms of teaching is active learning. So specifically, I remember I was in this course on supply chain management and they were using a simulation game called Beer Game. You know, you may have heard about it. It's quite a popular game now. And I was amazed by it. So it was the first time I actually was in a classroom, but we were not just sitting and listening to a lecture, but actually playing with one another a real world scenario for a beer company when beers are being made and supplied and how exactly it can work or may not work. Um, so that was a very interesting experience for me. And I kind of really thought that, you know, if teaching and learning is done right, it should be done in a way which is much more active and engaging. I agree. Beer makes things better too, right? No, uh, just <laughs> joking. <For> sure. <laughs> now, could you share how you went from there to becoming interested in being involved in the world of ed tech? My tech journey, I would say, was quite accidental. Back in 2015, I was quite interested to start a company. And my passion, I would say, is technology, as well as I'm very curious about how people learn. So at that time, I was looking for a problem that's worth solving for. And it so happened that I bumped into this whole idea about social learning or community-based learning as, as a topic of interest. And that's how I got started. And, you know, long story short, last seven years I've been building this. Now, you mentioned learner engagement, and it's the topic of our interview. Can you define what learner engagement means to you? You know, for me personally, I always felt that a lot of the learning that we do in the classroom is very kind of, I would say, passive. You know, we've all been in classrooms where maybe the front rows are kind of sitting and probably interacting a little bit with the instructors, but especially as you go in the back benches, rarely any interaction, especially for the instructors, even hard to know if who is paying attention, who is not, who is playing on games on their laptops or phones these days. So I think the traditional learning is fairly passive and unengaging. The assumption is that students are learning, but you know it rarely happens as we know. Like a lot of students are not learning, they're dropping out as a result. And most of the learning that personally I have found engaging happens outside the classroom. Like projects work, where students are getting together, where kind of in the evenings or weekends and kind of solving problems with one another is where I've seen most of the engagement happens for myself and based on interaction that I've had over the years. So 
To me, the best way of learning is when the students are much more active, you know, same as the example I was giving the beer game. So more we can make our students active in the learning process, especially in the formal learning environments in the classroom and elsewhere, better off we are. I mean, that's kind of what I define as learner engagement. And that's kind of what we work on as a company as well. Now, I know teachers out there have a lot on their plate. They need to hit standards. They need to you know, prep tests, they want to cover all of these subject matters. Why should we care about learner engagement in the classroom when there's so many other priorities on their plate? Yeah. And, and you know, the, the point is that the teachers are busy, as we all know, right? And we are overwhelmed, especially with COVID. And, you know, now the responsibilities are not only just going and giving a good lecture, you know, getting assignments, but there are other challenges such as kind of remote learning and things like that, which is also growing right now. The key point is that engaging learners in a much more active way leads to better educational outcomes. The problem is that it takes a lot of work because, you know, it requires preparation in terms of planning activities ahead of time and making sure the students actually follow through. And we all know that we have limited time in the classroom. It's impossible to engage a big classroom in a small time. So the way I see this to be solved is using technology, tools that are available, education technology tools that are available that reduces teachers' effort in terms of engaging learners. And the other aspect is asynchronous engagement, which is ways to engage the learners outside of classroom time, which is always limited. So these two strategies I've seen works quite quite effectively, and both of them we use in Yellowdick too in terms of you know, driving engagement for the learners. I agree. I mean, we've noticed too, our coding platform is browser-based. So it was really easy for a student if they have an internet connection and a computer at home, which is not always the case. But if they just have those two things, they can continue learning at home outside of the classroom. And so I agree, that's like the power of technology right there. Now, what other strategies have worked when it comes to learner engagement? What have you learned while building out Yellowdig? The other thing I would say is quite important is motivation. You know, Education is a thing students are typically avoiding. I mean, if you think about assignments when they're given out to students, typical behavior is that wait till the end of the week to complete the assignments, maybe Sunday night. And if you think about discussion boards, uh, if those are used in classrooms, those are always seen as assignments where students are not naturally coming in and actually engaging in discussions with one another unless there is a requirement around it, which is why, you know, very often we see some strategies such as, you know, make one post, two comments by the end of the week, or make one post around assignment so that you write about a topic. In those strategies, the issue is that the motivation is only kind of tied to a grade or essentially kind of a well-defined activity where students are not naturally engaged with one another. So I think the strategy that we have seen work quite well is that when students are naturally interested in discussing, let's say, a topic with one another, that leads to a lot more kind of frequent engagement with, you know, students between one another, as well as the instructor, as well as a lot more deeper engagement, you know, authentic engagement, as opposed to just writing for an assignment. And this is where I would say social learning can come into play. To give an example, I mean, if you go to a high school, a lot of students are in various social platforms like TikTok or Facebook and others, and nobody's asking them to engage there, right? They're creating content with one another and they're sharing and getting likes. And we can always debate whether that's good or bad, but we cannot debate the fact that they're quite motivated to actually naturally engage. So the thing for us to kind of think about is that what is that motivation for them and can we use some of that motivation towards learning? 
Now, there's something that you mentioned with the social media thing, and I've noticed social media, there's so many niches, you know, whatever you're interested in, you can find something that interests you and that sort of increases the motivation. How do you transfer that, though, when you're thinking about just handing out assignments, right, or telling them to have this conversation, different things motivate different students and you've got a classroom of 30 like plus, what are some strategies around that to customize that motivation? I think the first thing I would say is that we are kind of increasingly living in this creator economy where the kind of motivation these social apps are using is this whole creativity of the students so that they can, let's say, create a video or create some sort of an artwork and share with a group of students or you know their peer group. They're getting likes. Maybe their motivation is to getting likes because they get some sort of social status because you know other people are liking what they're creating. That fundamental human aspect can be also used in the educational context. Very often what we find is a lot of the assignments that are designed for learning is specifically for grading, right? So write this up and you'll get a grade at the end of the day. And and that's fine because, you know, you need that kind of formal evaluation too. But just creating opportunities where students can create the work, but rather than just getting a grade from the instructors, also getting some sort of an evaluation or getting some feedback from the peer group can drive some of those motivation that drives these social apps. So that's kind of one example. Other example is creating different formats. A lot of the assignments are usually written assignments. So students who are naturally good writers can write well, but if there are assignments that you can create, which are video-based or audio-based or something that you can draw up in some sort of a, you know, kind of a canvas. And if it's kind of suitable for that subject matter, I think you might find some students who are good in those kind of formats are actually shining. So all I would say is that giving them the optionality of creating content in various formats actually can drive motivations too. Like to give an example, one of our users of Yellowdig from a university, and I won't name that, but the instructor is teaching Russian, essentially using Yellowdig. And one of the things that she mentioned to us is that she provided the students to give an option to create small videos about they actually acting out in Russian. So they are creating small skits and they're actually making small videos of that. And that became very popular. Like everybody loved watching it. Everybody were you know, you know, giving feedback to one another. So kind of trying to figure out ways to make the assignments from just purely for grading to something that's fun, that's something more engaging, just drives the motivation easily. And I think that calls back to, it's the opposite of passive learning, right? Because you're creating content. You're now not just a consumer, you're a creator when you're learning. Exactly. Now, you mentioned that usually assignments, it's written. Often I feel like it's because it's rather easy to just grade, right? Because they're written out in these basically structured formats. But how can learner engagement affect how educators assess and give feedback to students beyond just a grade? So I think, you know, in terms of grading, one of the challenges of grading is that if an assignment is purely graded, that means that the the, the student's motivation is to get a better grade from the instructor. So sometimes students will only create content that is going to be pleasing to the instructor, right? And sometimes they are worried about creating something fun because they may not get the right grade. So I think rethinking grading in a slightly different way can be helpful. To give an example, the way we do grading in Yellowdig is divided into two or three kind of subcategories. So the instructor can give out what we call accolades, which is almost like a grade where the instructor can kind of say that, okay, this piece of assignment or submission was great thought leadership or great creativity or great critical thinking example or you know, great way of communicating an idea. So 
the instructors can create variety of accolades in our platform, which has a certain points. And those are given out to various contributions to students wherever they see certain quality submission, you know, just to kind of, you know, recognize a certain type of submission that they think is appropriate. So that kind of comes from the instructor, which is almost like giving a grade to an assignment. But then we also have something what we call is social grading, where students get points based on how other students are interacting with what they're submitting. So for example, if a student creates a video and there are 10 other students who are liking it, so you can react to the video just like in social media, but each reaction has points associated. So more reaction means they're getting more points for that. If other students are commenting on what they're created because you know it's sparking a conversation because it was something that is interesting to other students, they get points for that too. So those points essentially are social points in our platform and that drives this peer-to-peer engagement. And finally, we have something what we call is automated point system, which is if a student writes something which is beyond a certain number of word counts, so that means they're spending some time to write it, they get kind of what we call is participation points. So that just the very fact that they wrote it, they will get points for that. So I, th- I think what we have found is that if the grading is kind of thought about not just an instructor to student kind of feedback, but a feedback from the entire class, those kind of grading actually drives much higher level of engagement. Yeah, and I like how you mentioned that you're giving teachers the opportunity to assess things in a more holistic way, right? It's not just about how well you answered this question, but other aspects of learning, like how they're engaging with other students. And speaking of fostering community engagement, I know, especially kids can, they're still learning how to communicate with each other, how to be positive like communicating with each other, not hurting other people's feelings. What are some strategies around that of truly fostering a community amongst the students where they can really help each other? I think what we have found is that when there is a community in place where students, you know, they understand that this is not a place just to kind of get a grade for their conversation or submissions, but this is a place for them to kind of talk to one another, share ideas or bring in new ideas and just have fun also a little bit, Right we find that there are really good behaviors that start to emerge. Like students are not just posting for the sake of grading, but they're actually helping each other out and creating value for one another. So that's kind of one strategy, just to create a community as opposed to just creating a grade. Uh, Outside of that, what we have found is that when instructors also kind of model themselves as almost like a guide on the side, as opposed to, you know, a grader, that just kind of basic positioning can help drive better quality engagement. So for example, we often find instructors are actually not only just kind of coming and commenting on each other's students' posts, but they're also bringing in new examples or new videos or things that they think the students will find you know useful. Uh, th- those kind of motivates the learners to kind of come in and act or kind of replicate that kind of a behavior in that community as well. So there's a whole bunch of strategies that we think that works in that environment. And you know, in Yellow Day, we have kind of codified some of them in our platform. Yeah. And it's great to establish almost like a safe space where, like you said, the teacher isn't necessarily, I'm here to decide and judge what grade you each get, but I'm here to also help and guide you through this learning process. That's great. Now, looking into the future, how could community and learner engagement tools impact the future of ed tech, not just now, but years later? 
Yeah, I think, you know, the future, I see this, that the whole design of the classroom, which has been around for the last 150, 200 years, right? That's how we have designed our educational institutions, schools, colleges. They are kind of not being very effective anymore, frankly, because students are, you know, no longer, you know, a lot of these classrooms are empty, right? Students don't come up, but they show up. You know, a lot of these classrooms are going online or hybrid. So the need for community is very high right now, especially we are also in the middle of a you know, mental health crisis in the country where a lot of students feeling very alone, very detached from their peer group, especially if you look at marginalized communities where students don't have the confidence sometimes to kind of speak up or make the connections that are needed. So in this environment, I think it's very important for educators to start to think about that as the learning is being delivered, not only just that the students, whether they're learning or not, but they're, whether they're actually forming the connections and relationships with the peer group is becoming extremely important so that they have the mental health support or the necessary support they need. So I think the future is kind of designing that experience is where we are heading, I feel, in this industry. Like many other companies are kind of working in this space, and which is a combination of tools like Yellowdig, where we are building these communities with you know smart use of AI or data science, where we can identify students which are struggling or not connecting or not really forming these relationships to essentially creating new ways of learning. Like we have virtual reality and many other formats that might be very interesting to kind of really engage the students beyond, let's say, a browser-based experience. So I think combining all these different technologies to create a very engaging kind of experience is the future at the end of the day, because I think the last thing that we would want higher education to kind of move into is essentially a content delivery mechanism, which is publishers and creation of books and making it available to the students is that's anyhow is being solved, right? I mean, if I want to learn about any topic, it doesn't matter what it is, I can go to online, you know, go to Google or any other one of those online platforms and I can get that content very easily. I mean, that problem is not a big problem. Like in the past, student could not have access to content, but that access is kind of becoming very easy. I think the real challenge now is to engage the learner so that they remain motivated and learn through the process. So, I mean, that's where I see most of the innovation happening in the next like five to 10 years. And I like how you touched upon the idea that they need to almost learn how to connect alongside learning the content and A, that's the engagement, but I don't know about you, but I've noticed too, our work life is different now too. So getting them ready for future careers, people need to know how to connect, how to collaborate, how to use Zoom to, you know, like you and I having an interview like this, right? Absolutely. I think the other thing I'll mention there is soft skills. You know, sometimes we kind of say that hard skills are things that we are learning, let's say math, science, engineering kind of topics, but humanities and soft skills are becoming extremely important now where being able to communicate one's ideas or being able to actually speak up in a way so that others understand one's ideas is becoming extremely important to work in this kind of new work environments that we are on. We are virtual. The only way we can be productive is that we can speak to one another, right? Actually you know, communicate our ideas. And that's a skill. If you see the popular data is that a lot of students are not speaking up. They're not, you know, they're kind of always on their phones. They're unable to kind of, you know, get into a room and talk to 10 people. And those kinds of skills are extremely important. So how do we design learning, which kind of forces those students to build some of those skill sets is important. So I think we have to really think about learning from a whole, I would say human development, not just skill development, but the entire human development so that they can be productive members of society like 10 years down the line. Right. 
Now, what advice would you give to someone who is interested in developing community and learner engagement in their school or classroom? Where can they start? Well, I think for you to get started, I think firstly, to kind of think about what are the opportunities to create that kind of an engagement? Let's say you're teaching a course and the course, let's say, has an opportunity for you to create a community. What we have found is that irrespective of subject matter, you can create a community. They may look slightly different. Like, for example, if you're teaching a math course, you can have a community where students can help each other out in asking questions and answering questions. We know that that's a great way of learning for the students. So adding that component on your existing course is going to be quite powerful. If you have a course teaching, let's say any other topic, let's say humanities or something else where students can bring in ideas, where it's not just Q&A, but they're actually sharing things that they're finding or reading you know, as part of their projects with one another and kind of creating content around it might be very interesting as well. There are ways of asking students to actually share ideas through videos, for example, and you know help each other to kind of give feedback. So there are various ways of building a community in a classroom, I would say, kind of thinking about that and how to do that. And second is finding a tool. Yellowdig is one example of that. You can go to our website to find about us, but there are other tools you might be able to use to, you know, kind of support that online. And finally, I would say is that if you're building a community, it's important to look at the data because typically what, you know, conventionally what you might find is that 10 to 20% of the students are the ones who are engaging and the remaining 70, 80% are not. Especially there might be 10, 20% at the bottom who are not at all kind of doing anything, not even reading content, right? So kind of really understanding which of your students are engaging and which of them are not engaging so that you can actually kind of really go and talk to them and see what are the challenges. Maybe they're underconfident or they don't know, they're not sure how to write something or they're feeling awkward or shy or whatever it is, right? Being able to support them to kind of build a skill set so that they can become engaged members of the community is important. So I would have, I would say whichever way you're doing it, kind of having a data strategy is important to kind of understand what's going on and how to improve it. Completely agree. I mean, we have a dashboard for our product and that's the whole idea because these days it's even harder to read the room, right? I know teachers are like, I, that's how I do it. I read the room to see who's engaged and who doesn't, and I'll change my strategy. But if you're doing remote learning or they're sort of doing some of the work at home, how do you know they're engaged? The data needs to be there and we need to make it easier for teachers to look at the data in a helpful way too. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being part of our podcast, Shanik. I've learned a lot and hopefully those out there, you've learned a lot too. Yeah, thank you, Charlotte. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for listening to EdTech Adventures. Please subscribe to catch more of our episodes and leave a review to support the show. For more resources and info, visit us at codecombat.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Charlotte Chang. We'll see you on our next learning adventure.